Hi, this is Mistress Crimson. You're listening to the Massacast. It's for adults only. And if you like what you hear, you can make a donation at Massacast.com. Thanks for downloading another episode. Um, so, a, a few things. Number one, remember last episode, I told you you could get uh, you could sign up for Midori's Rope Dojo in Washington, D.C. Uh, it's coming up March 29th and 30th. There's still time to register and... Uh, you just say that uh, you heard it on the Massacast and you get a free goodie bag. All the details are up on the on the Massacast website. Go to the last episode to read all the details. So, uh, just a quick quick thing, because uh, a lot of people still uh, every you know almost every week I'm getting an email from someone suggesting uh, where to go for our kinky European honeymoon. Um, uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to probably push it back. Uh, about a year. So we'll probably do our, uh, it'll be our kinky European first anniversary is what it'll end up doing. But, you know, the reason why I'm saying I don't want people to go, hey, what the hell? We gave you all these great ideas and you didn't talk about it. Well, it would, we're going to have to push it back a year. So uh, it sucks eggs, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Shit happens and uh, we're going to have to push it back a year. But it'll be a pretty goddamn good paper anniversary. So... But yeah, you can still send suggestions on where to go, though. That doesn't make... You know, don't, don't let that stop you. But yeah. So, on with the episode. A few months ago, I had an email from someone who um, said, Hey, look, we've got a great story. We, we think we'd be great on your show. And they were right. Uh, we uh, had a great conversation. You're going to hear a couple, Aura and Jarvis. Uh, you can find all their information on the website as well, mastercast.com. You can find their FetLife and their brand new blog, uh, it's on the website. So here it is, conversation with uh, Aura Bunny and Jarvis Daddy. Uh, this is great. I, I really, I, I usually interview two types of people. There's people I know very, very well, and then there's people I don't know well at all. And they're both equally satisfying because the ones that I, I know very well, like uh, Saad or Alex or Veronica or someone like that, um, I know everything, well, not everything, I know a lot about them. And so... I know what to ask, and I know how they're going to react to certain questions. And then the f- exciting thing about uh, talking to people who I don't know at all is that I don't know anything about them. And so there's, <laughs> every, the, you know, there, there are questions that I would never ask Alex because I already know it, right? So, right. Um, uh, and there are t- a thousand and one questions that I know Saad does not want on the podcast, so I'd never <laughs> ask him. Right? So, uh, so you guys, uh, do you mind saying where you live or no? We, you don't have to say the town, maybe the state. Yeah, we live in, uh, well, I live in Maine. Right. And currently I live in Rhode Island, but I'll be moving to Maine early next year. So you're moving uh, moving in together or next door? Uh, moving to the same town. Um, oh, wow. That's, this is a touchy subject, isn't it? No, no, not at all. <laughs> um, we're, we're working our way. We're in a, a, a poly V arrangement uh, with her husband. And so I've been integrating into the family over the past year and I'm now moving to be in the same town with a goal towards uh, adding on to the house and moving in in the next few years. So a poly V you said? Yes. All right. You have to explain what that is because I'm, I'm, you're talking to a monogamous guy who doesn't. Right. I was actually very surprised to hear in a recent podcast how uh, unacquainted you were with, with some of the nuances of poly. Um, <laughs> right. It's not, it's not that I... I mean, how do I phrase this? It's not that I don't care. Right. It's just, it's just that I've got tons of shit to do and I'm not going to do research, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Not, if I started doing research in Polly, I'd never finish. And there are people <laughs> right. like Polly Emery Weekly. She's got that covered, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And so it's not that I don't care. It's just that I have never, I haven't gotten to it yet. And I, pro- I it's not looking like I'm going to have any time to get to it in the near future. And that's why people like you are here to tell me all about it. Sure. Yeah, use your resources wisely. Makes <laughs> exactly. Sense. Um, yeah, so the V arrangement is that um, she is she's been married to her husband for several years, and they have two children. And um, ten years. Ten years. <laughs> um, and we are now, uh, I guess you would qualify it as co-primary partners, mm-hmm. but there's no uh, there's no relationship. Uh, between her husband and I, other than uh, a close friendship, so it's not right. a it's not a triad, and where all three people are involved sexually, right? It's just uh, the V is like she's the center point, and exactly. you guys are at each ends of the. It's, so this is when 
uh, and first off, I'll, more power to you. That's that's awesome. But uh, for me, I'm just so glad that I don't have to use like a have like a, a football play <laughs> sketch to explain the relationship. Yep. You know, yeah, and, sure. and I don't have to. You know, you know, I, I would I would just be okay. So here's the diagram, mm-hmm. and here's the and. But at the same time, maybe that's exciting for you. That's mean that's great if it works, right? Yep. Oh yeah, we're really excited to be moving toward that after a long time of talking about it. So, so how did uh, have you have you both been poly for a while? Is this a new thing or? Um. Yeah, I, it's a new. My husband and I opened our relationship two years ago, um, and. Jarvis definitely plays a role in that decision, um, which we can talk about. But uh, yeah, so we were we were monogamous for most of our marriage, um, although monogamy was never something that we felt um, particularly invested in. In fact, we, uh, we we wrote our own vows, and we specifically did not write anything about monogamy into our vows. Right. Even though we'd both been in serial monogamous, you know, sort of standard relationships, we just felt pretty clear that the idea that you'd be with only one person for the rest of your life seemed pretty uh, unrealistic. And just something that also we didn't particularly care about. We we often said, you know, there are many reasons why a relationship might not work out, but the idea that one person, you know, in the relationship has sex with somebody else that to us is not a deal breaker in and of itself. You know, it could be a symptom of other things that could be a deal breaker, but the sex itself was, is not a reason to break up. Um, so, you know, we were always on the same page about that stuff. We just never really tested it or felt the need to test it or change that. Um, but then I basically, when I was done having kids, I spent my thirties having kids, more or less, um, getting pregnant, having kids, you know, being, having, having young babies. Um, and when I was, and, and well, to go back, I'll say that like, there are many ways in which my husband and I are really well matched and great partners for one another, but, um, sex was never one of those. And we were both pretty, uh, clear and frank about that too. Um, my libido, like bar out strips his. Um, and I was just, I'm, you know, I, I'm somebody who's been really, really interested in sex and sexuality my whole life. And it's, you know, something I'm, um, just like constantly curious about and interested in. And that's not true for him. It's just not like, it's not the thing that motivates him most of all, um, in life. So. No, and was this a touchy, I mean, is this a touchy subject? Cause I know some couples who uh, if one person has the higher libido and the other person does not uh, and the other person you, you always hear stories of like like if, it, if the guy doesn't have the higher libido sometimes his reaction is one of two it's like oh whatever it's just not my thing and then the right. other times it's like it's almost like a, an, an assault on his manliness type of thing right right it yeah. almost sounds like he's the former he's just like whatever it's just you know yeah, I mean, there were moments. I mean, first of all, because we spent so much of our time having kids, <laughs> um, my libido was was uh, not my priority either for a lot of our marriage because we were, I was pregnant or I had a baby and n- nobody was sleeping and, you know, I was nursing around the clock. And so all of that definitely affects one's, like, feeling sexy and interest in sex. Um, and so in those moments, it wasn't really an issue. And then, and then... You know, my libido would return, and I'd be like, oh, my God, this is a problem. Um, And, you know, we, yeah, I mean, at the point, it was definitely um, an issue, but it was an issue that we dealt with very openly and honestly with one another. And, um, you know, came to realize through talking about it a lot that it's just where we were, and we are where we are and who we are, and that it's nobody's fault and nobody's problem. The only problem is if you know, um, we aren't getting satisfied and, uh, you know, if we have needs that are going unmet. So, um, but he is absolutely not the jealous type and he's somebody who knows himself really, really well. And so if you tell him something he already knows to be true about himself, like your preference is to have sex basically once every three weeks, he'll be like, yeah, you know, that's right. who I am. Um, it's not, it's like no threat to him, which is awesome. He's wonderful. And, uh, so yeah, so we, um, we're done having kids and 
my libido returned and I thought, oh God, like in the past, the way basically my body dealt with having my libido return was to get pregnant again. <laughs> it just seemed to be naturally a breeder. Um, so I then, but we weren't, we weren't going to have any more kids. And then I kind of realized, oh no. And I think I really went to him and said, you know, my libido is too big for this marriage, um, <laughs> which wasn't really news to him. Um, and also obviously, I mean, because we're on the show, I'm saying obviously, uh, you know, uh, he's vanilla and, um, that also is something that, you know, we tried to be very clear with one another that that's nobody's fault and not a problem just in the same way that me being kinky isn't anybody's fault or a problem. It's only a problem if we're, you know, not getting our needs met. So, um, he was never able to, uh, you know, for one thing, I, I really like sex with power exchange and, um, he is only comfortable with completely egalitarian sex where there is no power exchange whatsoever. Um, so that's not a great match either. Sure. So, uh, we'll get to you in a sec, Jarvis, because I'm, I'm going to try to put these two stories together here. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you decided, oh, I'm going to make a FetLife profile or how, how did this, how did you... <laughs> How did your exploration start or how did, you know, what happened? Yeah. So I'm one of those, um, like hardwired fetishists. Uh, I was just listening to your episode with Laura Antonio and, um, you know, certainly this comes up too when I listen to podcasts about, you know, spankers, for example, um, that, you know, it's something that's in you from the time you are a very, like, you can't remember a time when you didn't have your thing. And, uh, that's definitely true for me. Um, I was, uh, well, my mother tells the story that I was masturbating to orgasm as an infant, like literally an infant. And she took me to a pediatrician and was like, I'm pretty sure my 18 month old or whatever baby is masturbating to orgasm. And luckily she had this like hippie pediatrician in the seventies who was like, well, she's going to grow up to be a very happy woman, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. And like, luckily also my parents or my mom especially was pretty sex positive. So, um, I was, like, kind of, like, I think it's much more typical of little boys. Like, I just masturbated like a fiend throughout childhood. Um, they had to, like, bribe me to try to get me to stop masturbating in public constantly. And the Jesus. way I masturbate doesn't involve any, um, doesn't involve my hands. I do, I'm, like, an internal masturbator. <laughs> um, like, I basically just, like contract my muscles around my g-spot so you so i masturbated my way through like every standardized test in my educational <laughs> history like i masturbated my way through <laughs> through my sats and everything and you can't tell that i'm doing it like no i'm really stealth ninja masturbator so um but it was like i was an anxious kid and it was sort of a stress relief thing but anyway so because of that i also know that you know pre-adolescence like far like pre you know what we think of as sexual being i was masturbating to um to you know fetish stuff that i found erotic which was mostly um you know like you, again you hear spankers talk a lot about all these you know, like Porky Pig cartoons and things like that, where there's spanking machines and they are watching it and they're five and they're like, Oh my God, you know, like overwhelmed by the eroticism of this thing that they know is not supposed to be erotic to anybody right. else. And I had that same response to, um, material that was about, uh, people overindulging in anything, any like hedonistic pleasure. So food or alcohol or, you know, later like sex, um, anything that's sort of like physically pleasurable and sort of taboo around that. So, you know, like in Dumbo, the movie Dumbo, they like get the little baby, like a little kid elephant drunk. And there's this kind of horrific scene of like drunkenness. And I had this incredibly powerful response to that where I was like, Oh, this is very bad. And I really like it. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> it's very disturbing to me and I'm so drawn to it and I want to watch it again and I never want to watch it again. You know, I was like <laughs> really overwhelmed. So, and I used to tell, make my grandmother tell me stories of excess. Like she'd be like, what do you want to hear for a bedtime story? And I was like, um, can you tell me a story about like somebody who eats like 10 hamburgers in a row? 
And she'd be like, okay. And she'd start telling me the story, and I would just, like, be masturbating like a little demon <laughs> under the covers. And she sort of had an idea of what was going on. I'm sure, like, my breathing got heavy or whatever. And she's like, and st- like, stop, you know, like, really disturbed. I was like, I'm not telling you that story anymore. Um, so, so, yeah. So I knew I had this thing, and... Um, you know, like most people of my age, um, I'm in my early 40s, I, uh, as soon as the internet, you know, hit in the early 90s, um, I was like, ooh, maybe, maybe finally I'll, like, figure out, like, what is up with my sexuality, um, and I was, like, a very sex-positive kid, and, you know, obviously, like, I was somebody who's, like, masturbating constantly, so I was, like, pretty happy about sex and, like, felt pretty empowered about my sexuality and identified as a feminist and all this other kind of stuff, but always felt like there was this kind of missing piece where, um, and, and what gets me off is the, is, like, helping the other person indulge in their hedonistic pleasures. It's not doing it myself. It's, like, absolutely service-oriented submission to somebody else's pleasures, um, and, uh, and I, I really didn't like, I didn't know the name for it. I didn't know really, you know, how to talk about it. Um, and so when the internet, you know, when I, when I had like access to, um, alt.sex basically, uh, I started immediately sort of looking this stuff up and trying to figure out what it was. And, um, I'd been in this, you know, pretty vanilla relationship and, you know, in some ways it was pretty sexually fulfilling, but, um, you know, in, with my like, high school boyfriend and through college. And, and then, um, at a certain point it was just kind of like, Oh, I, I realized this is just not totally doing it for me. Like I'm not really able to go as far as I want to go with it. So I actually posted, um, this is 1996 and I posted an ad on, uh, rat, what was it? It was a, a Brewing. That beer. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I knew. So the other thing is like, I was this feminist girl and I was kind of like, you know, a little indie rock girl, punk rock girl. And so I, most of the guys that I dated or saw were, um, you know, pretty like pro- liberal, progressive, um, not particularly masculine, uh, you know, bookish guys, skinny guys, um, who I liked and, and I did like that, but like there was definitely something missing where these, these guys were not going to be the guys who are going to like do things they shouldn't do. Like maybe drink too much or eat too much or like smoke cigars or like whack off to porn all the time. And that's what I really wanted. Like <laughs> that's what really turned me on was like that expression of masculinity. Um, so I, like, I, I'm desperate for finding this. I, I posted on rec.craft.beer, and I was like, I am, we found the post. We, like, mm-hmm. yeah. It so, still exists somewhere out on Google. <laughs> <laughs> so it says, like, hi, I'm, like, a cute 25-year-old girl, and I really want a guy who, like, loves really good beer and has a beer belly. Um, email me or something like that, right? <laughs> what is it? What is it? Yeah, I yeah. think that was it. And so, of course, you know, it's, like, a pretty much all-guy list and they're all like yeah whatever like you fucking liar you know (laughs) shut up you 85 year old guy who's like posing as a girl exactly and uh and jarvis wrote to me and he was like i'm sure this what did you say i think i i think i said that i was pretty sure this could be a troll or a fake (laughs) and but i figured i'll take a chance just in case it's not (laughs) And, uh, how long ago was this? This was 1996. Oh, wow. We were 25. Yeah. And I was living in New York and he was living in LA and, um, but he actually had to come to New York for work and I had to go to LA for work. Um, it just sort of so happened. And we, so, so we struck up this correspondence and, you know, I think partly because it was totally hidden behind the internet, um, I was able to just like be much more upfront about what I was into, um, and he was, it wasn't like his kink at all, but he was like, hey, look, if there's somebody who's like really turned on by the fact that I drink too much beer, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was like post-collegiate living with like all his friends on the beach yeah. in LA and partying. And so he was like, cool, works for me, you know? <laughs> so you could just go to the Midwest and that's everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but it had to be 
like a specific, like I definitely like, again, like most fetishists, I have a very, very specific type, you know? Right. So I really wanted like a really cute guy who looked like pretty athletic and built and just like, just had the, just has the subtle signs of like a little overindulgence, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which is totally him. Like he's a, you know, former football player, like very good shape guy. Um, who just like, who's like a very good responsible guy too. Cause like, the idea of being with somebody who's actually like a drunk or, um, otherwise unhealthy or irresponsible, that is not appealing to me at all. It has to be like, I just. It's sort of a controlled indulgence that you yeah. let out once in a while. Right. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to be a little bad, you know? Right. Um, but I know it's bad. Right. And you I'm want the occa- someone who who will have the occasional hangover, not the daily hangover. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> definitely. So, so, so you guys strike up a conversation. You're obviously very uh, upfront about what you're into, um, and uh, so, so, I mean, you guys have been quote unquote together for quite a while. Then, well, we had so that produced. Um, three in-person meetings over the course of about six months. Um, I mean, I, whenever I talked about it afterwards, I characterized it as a very torrid fling because aside, you know, in addition to the fetish, we both had sort of libidos that matched up perfectly and we would fuck five times a day when we were together and just really sort of insatiable for each other. And, um, I think what happened was, you know, we lived apart and I was really looking to be partnered by that point. I hadn't dated much. I was, but I was definitely looking for a partner and I fell in love and was ready to sort of chuck everything and move to New York to be with her. And she wasn't in the same place. And so I think partly I was just, um, I didn't know how to like integrate the fact that I had this incredibly satisfying sex life and fetish life with this guy with like, Oh, that could also be my main partner. Right. That I never had that, you know, because it, this, it sort of had to be, it sort of had to be separate in your yeah. mind because it was so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was so potent. And also you just, you know, I think you can relate to this. Like if you grow up thinking you can't have that in your regular life, you just sort of assume that that's true. Right. You know, like, Oh, that, those two things can't go together. So, um, and also, you know, frankly, the stuff that I found really hot about him, which was that he was this kind of like football fan, you know, meat eating, beer drinking guy. And I was, you know, this like vegetarian, like little straight edge indie rock girl. Um, I thought like, well, we're not going to really be compatible as life partners because we have these very different lifestyles or whatever, which turns out to not be true at all. Um, (laughs) but I was 25 and I didn't know any better. Um, and yeah. And, and I will say that like the fetish stuff was definitely working for us then. And like, we just had amazing sex and chemistry, but also even at the time, I think we were, um, without knowing it, engaging in some DS stuff that we wouldn't have named that way. Yeah. I think our, our sex was very, now that we look back on it, it was very power exchange oriented, but in a very, we didn't talk much about this stuff at all then. Yeah. Um, we didn't have the language for it. Yeah. And I, I was comfortable sort of being dominant physically with her, but not verbally and not really, uh, you know, delving into the more psychological aspects of it. But looking back on it now, we can sort of see that it was, it was always there to some extent. But, yeah. but basically we, after six months or so, uh, we determined, you know, we weren't going to be together. We had one last little, uh, goodbye overnight and went our separate ways. And I, the next year I went out and found another girl on the internet that I was confident wouldn't ever leave me. Um, he was hurt. I was hurt. And I, <laughs> And she, you know, met certain needs of mine for a level of comfort and stability and and a good companion. And I got married and had been married to her uh, for uh, 14 years up until just this past month. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we and so we didn't see each other for uh, 16 years. Yeah. 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 Did you stay in contact? Um, There were a couple of emails here and there. 
Yep, and I would go look for him online, and and I would do the same. <laughs> but we didn't, we didn't get in touch. And yeah. I got, you know, I got married too. Obviously, I I dated a couple other people, and then I got married, and um, yeah. And so then when when I went to my husband, and I was like, my libido is too big for this marriage. I need something else. And it wasn't just my libido. At that point, I was also like, I need an outlet for my fetish, and I need power exchange in my sex life. <laughs> like I really need a guy who's gonna be dominant. Um, I'm definitely the kind of person who, I'm the kind of submissive who in my regular life is like very, you know, responsible and in charge and has a lot of like leadership, you know, takes on a lot of leadership stuff. And so for me, erotic submission is like the flip side of my regular life and is a relief. Um, so I really wanted that. Um, and you know, again, like my husband wasn't cool with that. And I, you know, in my head I was like, I know where I need to go for this thing. You know, <laughs> um, I need, I need Jarvis. Um, and for both of us, it had been the peak sexual experience of our lives. Like yeah. bar none. Um, in fact, I mean, uh, her, my relationship with, with her was so prominent in my head that in my, my, my marriage, the, the woman that I married, I talked a lot about my relationship with Aura at first because I wanted I sort of was trying to establish what I thought was ideal for me and trying to take some leadership in my new relationship, which wasn't the most sensitive thing perhaps, but it it, it also created this thing where she became sort of this looming threatening figure in our life to the point that we couldn't even speak her name or, you know, that I wasn't allowed to speak her name. And if we even saw an actress on TV who had the same name, you know, Oh, I hate her because she's got the same name. And so, So, I mean, but I, it never left me. I mean, I would, I probably masturbated to our first encounter a hundred times, <laughs> hundreds of times over the years. And so it had always stuck in my head as sort of the, the ultimate experience for me. Yeah. And same for me. He was so like did, my primary spank bank material. Yeah. <laughs> how did you, how did you connect with each other then? So I found him on Facebook. Thank goodness for Facebook, although I hate Facebook. Um, and yeah, it was like a total Facebook booty call where I was, I mean, not at first because I was more polite than that, right? I was like, how are you? What's going on in your life? I'm just so glad to find you. And, and How long ago I, was this? Uh, two years ago. Okay. So, and I also will say that I was really always kind of worried because he had these hedonistic tendencies that like when I did find him again, he would either be like an alcoholic, like, you know, sort of like a mess or he'd be totally like clean and sober. And that would be interesting to me either. Oh, but in- <laughs> Women are so nuts. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Some women are so nuts. <laughs> Um, I wanted to be. I wanted to be slightly bad for me. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But luckily, in fact, he was, and like even better than before. Because when he was twenty-five, of course, he was. He wasn't. You know, he was a kid, and he wasn't so super responsible. But now, you know, he he turned out to be somebody who was like really had their shit together, and and was still like, you know, in touch. I mean, one of the things like I love most about him is that he. He is this, like, totally masculine guy, but he is also, like, the smart, sensitive, progressive guy that, you know, meets my values and needs in, in the rest of my life, you know, in my non-sexual life, and is, like, the guy who is totally shameless about, like, I mean, you know, when we first started talking again two years ago, he would just be like, oh, so I was, you know, online at Whole Foods today getting lunch, and there was this cute girl in front of me in yoga pants. And like within two seconds, I was just imagining what it would be like if she was like on her knees in front of me, sucking me off. And I was like, I love you. (laughs) You know, I I just realized there's probably a woman, someone there who somewhere, and maybe a guy too. There's someone who's saying, you know, I don't want a terrorist, but I do want someone who's on the no fly list. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, there's like, a whole thing where women write to men who are in prison. Yeah. You know, like, that's a big thing. Like, yeah. Anyway, yes. Yeah. So there's, yes. Yeah. So I was, re- I'm very, and the funny thing is, like, you'd think that this would be kind of easy, right? Like, you'd think, well, how hard is it to find a guy who, like, likes to eat meat and drink beer and, like, talk about how he wants to get his cock sucked? But in fact, like, finding that guy who's also really smart and sensitive and progressive and not an asshole is, is like, kind of challenging. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I don't think I'm gonna need to use that information at any time soon. But all right. So, uh, so you were in contact with each other, and then how did how did you guys like 
click again. Well, so I had been, um, fortunately or unfortunately, had been having uh, an affair with another woman for almost six years by that point. My marriage was not very healthy. It was very codependent and not at all sexually satisfying to me. So about midway through, I sort of gave myself permission to go out and uh, have an affair with a, a married woman that I saw like once a year and we would have really good sex and that seemed to tide me over for the next year. Um, so, so I had already sort of... 362 days. Yeah, I had already sort of broken that in my head. And when we first started talking, it wasn't clear that, you know, it, it wasn't an out-and-out booty call. No. It was really just sort of getting in touch. And I spent quite a bit of effort at first trying to create the illusion that my marriage was actually good and I was happy because that's sort of my, my MO was to make everything seem like it was fine. But um, I think you... After a few, after a week maybe, you said that you had talked to your to uh, your husband and said, you know, I think I want to have sex with Jarvis. Mm-hmm. I think I said, I mean, we we went slower than that. You know, I was I was like doing my research and listening to podcasts about non monogamy and all this kind of stuff, and I was like, maybe we should consider, you know, some non-monogamy. And, and my husband was like, oh yeah, you know, maybe we should. And we went very slow. We were kind of like, I mean, very slow, relatively speaking, but we, you know, we read some books and we talked about it and we were like, well, maybe let's just sort of think about that for a while. And then, you know, after like a couple, a few months, I was like, I think we should, you know, maybe try this. And I want to try it with this ex who, you know, my husband knew about, um, Jarvis. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we decided to meet up in person, and we really didn't know, you know, it had been 16 years, and we also both had, you know, kind of built up this previous experience with each other in our heads, mm-hmm. and it was a little nerve-wracking to meet again, but, like, instant chemical yeah. explosion. <laughs> so how, so, Jarvis, did you... Because when I was single, this happened to me several times where someone would say, yeah, my husband is totally cool with it. We had this conversation and and I was like, okay, whatever. Uh-huh. And in some cases, that was true, right? Uh-huh. And in some cases, they never had a conversation, right? There was no <laughs> conversation at all. Did you verify this or you're like, uh, I'll just listen, I'll stay out of it, whatever. I, I don't think I did. Well, no, I think you guys exchanged emails, and mm-hmm. I know that, yeah, you, you like, talked to him on the phone when we were first together or something. Really? I don't yeah. remember that. I, I mean, I, what I do remember is that th- there was such an enormous level of built-in trust between us because of our previous relationship and the level to which we had communicated back then, and I, I just knew her to be the kind of person who would not make that up. Um. I, I felt comfortable trusting that if she, you know, and, and she was very clear about how much communication there had been between her and her husband about it and, and what they had discussed and what the parameters were. And we probably did at some point um, check in with him, but I didn't feel any sort of doubt about the fact that it was on the up and up based yeah. on what she was telling me. So I, uh, I remember, uh, Again, when I was single, I met a woman and we really clicked. You know, she was married, but I knew she was Polly. And she said, well, I'd totally love to play with you. Let's play. Uh, but first, I want you to meet my husband. And I said, that's freaking weird. I don't want to – I don't even want to talk to you. I mean, I'm sure he's a fine guy, but that's just weird. This is weird to me, right? Because uh-huh. for me, that would be – that's crossing the line. That's almost like uh, – because, again, my, my mind is wired for monogamy, right? Uh-huh. Kinky monogamy, but monogamy nonetheless. So the idea of uh, me – Meeting the guy, even though he's poly too and knows about it, it's sort of like, hey, how's it going? But the subtext is, hey, how's it going? I'm going to fuck your wife. You know, right. it's just, it's just <laughs> yeah. fucking horrible. It's weird. Um, uh, but for you, you're just like, whatever. This is cool. This is this is fine. I, yeah, I definitely – I mean I definitely had that feeling the first several times that we actually met and, and hung out and – I, I believed that he really wasn't the jealous type, but it was hard for me to fully understand because I knew how I would feel if I was in that position, that I yeah. would never be able to really embrace it in the way that he had. Um, empathy. It's empathy, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I was empathizing for you know with what I would have felt in that situation, not recognizing that he's just wired completely differently. Hmm. Um, 
and and the conversations we had over the first few months really helped me to understand how he sees it and the fact that he genuinely wanted her to have her needs met and was happy that she was now happier that she was having this relationship with me. Um, yeah, and, I mean, sorry. And, well, and the, the other thing is, and one of the things that people always ask us about, because we're, we're primary partners now and he has a, a girlfriend, but not the same level of, uh, integrated. Intent, yeah. Integratedness. And everybody feels like he's getting the short end of the stick. And at some point he's going to decide that it's a bad deal for him and it's not enough. And then, and then I'll be left out in the cold. But the truth is he's getting exactly what he needs out of the, the opening of the marriage. Yeah. And, you know, he and I talk a lot about that actually when we hang out and knowing that makes it possible for me to just trust what, you know, what we have and that it's not sort of something that he's tolerating. It's something that he actually embraces because he wants everybody to be happy. The first time after Jarvis and I saw each other again for the first time, you know, and I came home and I talked to my husband about it and I was like, you know, he was like, well, so tell me about it. And I said, well, what do you, you know, what do you want to hear? He's not the kind of guy who wants to hear all the graphic details. I kind of want to hear all the graphic details about his (laughs) adventures, but he doesn't want to hear them about mine. Um, I was like, so what do you most want to know? And he said, well, I guess I kind of must want to know, like, what, you know, what did you most enjoy? And, you know, or something, he asked some kind of question like that. And I said, well, you know, one of the things I actually most enjoyed was um, the way Jarvis objectified me. Because again, this is like a hard thing to find from like a nice, good, progressive guy. Like, you know, (laughs) they're trained well to not say like, quote unquote, offensive things to women, which of course is a a good thing. Um, But, you know, then once they're in a consensual space where that's okay, they still can't do it. Like my husband couldn't, you know, so I, he was like, what does that even mean? And I said, you know, like if somebody said to you like, oh, your rack looks really good in that dress. And my husband was like, who would ever say that? And I was like, Jarvis. Or that I would, I would tell her to walk up the stairs in the hotel in front of me so that I could watch her ass from behind. Right. And my husband was like, that. it's like incomprehensible to him that you would ask, you know, a partner to do that. Um, and I was like, oh, I love that. You know, I just love being like sec- feeling sexualized in that way. And my husband was like, I'm so glad you have Jarvis to do that for you because I'm never going to be able to do that. <laughs> And right. he, he genuinely was, like, glad, you know, that, like, somebody else, he was like, good, like, get that somewhere else, because I'm not going to give that to you. Right. <laughs> so you uh, you guys start your, did you know it was going to be a long-term thing, or did you did you know it was going to be just a, no, it, you're going to. Yeah, first we thought, um, you know, it was just sort of, let's get together and, and see how it goes. And, and with, fuck like bunnies. Yeah. I mean, we, we pretty much expected that we would have a ton of sex and we had talked a lot about it leading up and got really excited about it. But, um, at the time it wasn't clear sort of what she was looking for long-term and in terms of poly. And I definitely at that point had no thought of leaving my marriage. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, maybe we'll see each other a couple times a year or something. And your wife was unaware that this was going on? Yeah, completely. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I was at the time just, I, I was not poly at all at that point. I was just a cheater. Really. Oh. Yeah. But that only lasted a very short while because almost immediately, like we saw each other for the first time in April, I think. And by July I was, we were like, you know, he's, we decided he was going to tell his wife. So only a few months Yeah. because I almost immediately was like, okay, well what happened was we saw each other and we thought maybe we'd just have sex a couple times a year, but then immediate like the fir- the very first time we saw each other we you know it was very powerful we'd known each other when we were in our 20s and we'd had this relationship and we both kind of like envisioned this alternate life we could have had if we'd stayed together and mm-hmm. could have again if we were together and um and I think over the course, you know, of seeing each other a few times, and then we also were like, well, may- you know, maybe we'll go a long time before we see each other again. And then immediately after seeing each other that first time, we were both like, oh, no, we need to see each other again really, really <laughs> soon. Yeah. I, think like, it was t- I was almost two months in no, between. It was a month. A month. It was a month in between <laughs> the first and the second, and then it was like a few weeks to yeah. the next one. And We were just kind of like, we-, we have to see each other as much as we possibly can. And so then, you know, I – said, you need to tell your wife, like, you know, I, I don't, I don't well, want to be doing, you know. And I had met, I had met, uh, her family, yep. her husband and kids, uh, I don't know, three months after. Yeah. That same summer, like right about yeah. the, yeah. And then we had a trip together 
um, that we were able to take for like a week. And at that point we started really discussing me sort of coming out to my wife with the hope of, you know, possibly making my marriage poly as well. Um, they hadn't had sex in a really long time and it seemed like, well, maybe she'd be open to staying married and And letting you have sex somewhere else. Yeah. And I, you know, I thought she had shown interest at different points in sort of alternative lifestyles at a very cursory level. And I thought she might just think this is something cool to try. And I also thought she would probably go along with it because she didn't, you know, her biggest fear was me leaving her. So we, I sort of went into that with no plan B and, uh, told her about it and told her about the previous affair. And that started a, six month long shit storm basically. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because she wanted nothing to do with Polly. She thought it was horrible. It made it so much worse that it was aura and not somebody else because she was, you know, still in her mind, the biggest threat to, well, to her security. it was basically proven that I, I was. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and in the meantime we had, um, before the fir- before the first time we ever saw each other, so we started talking in like January, and we saw each other for the first time in April or something. And in March, we so we'd been talking about sex and everything that whole time, but and and kind of both. I mean, the first thing that we established was like, I remember that sex with you is like the best thing that's ever happened to me. And the other person was like, Me too. And we're mm-hmm. like, Oh, good. Glad that that <laughs> we're on the same page about that. You know, because you always have that fear, like maybe you don't even remember who I am. Um, <laughs> but in fact, no. So so then you know. In, in March or so, he sent me an email kind of out of the blue. I can't remember how it came up, but we hadn't really been talking about DS. In fact, I think we'd sort of we'd sort of talked about DS a couple times and said like clearly that's not us. Like that's not that's not what we're doing because we had in our minds, you know, the the completely stereotypical BDSM, you know, Mister Domly Dom guy, and um, and you know like slave in chains, and we we knew we weren't that. So we like, oh, we, we wouldn't want to do that. And then he sent me this email where he was like, when I do see you, I want you to stand across the room. You know, I want you to do, be wearing this and do this. And when I come in, I want you to do this. And it was like a light bulb, you know, one of those light bulb moments where like my jaw just dropped and I like couldn't speak for several hours. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck, like. I want you to dominate me. <laughs> like that's what we're doing. Um, and so the first, even just the very first time we got together, we kind of said, okay, well, you know, I guess we, we, we are interested in this DS stuff and maybe we should start exploring that, but we still didn't really know. Um, we couldn't find a way that that really, right. We tried a few role plays that were sort of interesting to us and, they were fun, but they weren't ever really the right fit. They didn't feel like a natural thing. Yeah, and, and, sure. And I'm I'm by nature very self conscious. I've always been a very insecure person, and it's very hard for me to sort of open up. And, and you know, my biggest uh, one of my biggest fears is being in a group where you have to like improvise or play act at stuff. <laughs> when when we went to a Dark Odyssey in orientation and had to like batch up with a stranger and pretend to decline a, an offer. That was a GK Oh no, you're no, right. Was that summer camp. right. <laughs> Even there where we're, you know, at summer camp to have sex with lots of people and, and be naked in front of everybody. I was still totally intimidated by that. He will get naked in front of anybody at any time. Like very happily. He has no insecurity about that. Let's just say that right off the bat. Like he's so happy to be the first cock out at any event, but yeah, he doesn't want to talk to anybody. Right. <laughs> So, right. but so basically finding the right type of dominance was really tricky for me because it had to be something that felt natural and wasn't sort of playing a role. It didn't feel like myself because then I get very self-conscious about it and I don't, I can't sort of open up. And he's just not by nature stern. And that's also not what I was looking for. Like I'm definitely the kind of sub who wants to do a good job, you know, and be praised, and, for, and be it. praised for it. Um, and not the kind of sub who like wants to fuck up and get punished or be told to do it again and again. Like I want to get it right on the first try. You know, I'm, I'm very type A yeah. <laughs> in all aspects of my life, um, including my submission. So, and he's not the type of person who wants to yell at somebody either, or even be, you or know, be withholding or, right. you know, cause you know, denying her something as a punishment is sort of denying myself. Then I feel 
disconnected. Yeah. Sure. So we then started like talking to each other. I don't, again, like I can't remember exactly how it started, but, um, we were kind of like looking for pet names to call each other. And he was like, well, what if you called me daddy? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. That's, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Um, and then we sort of just slipped into it and I did start calling him daddy. And he, he, I think he'd been calling me like baby and baby girl and stuff like that. And then, We were doing this very kind of like coddling, sweet DS, you know, where it was like very protective and um, it wasn't age play at all, but it was just like, I always talk about it as kind of like, you know, 1940s gangster and his mall sort of like daddy, you know, (laughs) and he's calling her his girl. And, uh, and we were doing that and then we were like, this probably has a name. I wonder what it's called. And I started, I was like, oh, I'll look online. And I started like Googling on and I was like, oh, guess what it's called? It's called daddy girl. Like, and we were both like, oh, right. Like (laughs) we've been, we've been like doing that for several months and it felt exactly right to both of us. Um, but we didn't know it was a thing. And then we were like, oh, it's a thing. It's like a thing with many, many blogs and, you know, fat life and all the rest. So, um, yeah. I can't imagine someone who creates something and they're the first one. I know. <laughs> Never. Can you imagine being that person, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't I mean, believe it if, I, if it was me. <laughs> yeah. We're mecha- we have a mechanic muffler relationship. Right. You know, there's some sort of a my God, there's no bog afoot. There is. There yeah, is. There, there it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Meineke couple or something. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. And we'd already been on FetLife. I think we just hadn't. And we'd been we'd been sort of participating in DS forums and things like that. And I'd been listening to like erotic awakenings and, you know, was aware of different um you know, I had was aware of, of like various kinds of DS relationships, but for whatever reason hadn't come across Daddy Girl and and maybe had only come across it in, in the age play, you know, little kind of sense, which was not what we were doing. So Yeah. yeah. But we certainly didn't think we were the first. We were just like, what is this called? Like, I was Googling, like, coddling DS and, like, sweet DS. And finally, it, like, came up. I was like, oh, it's the names <laughs> we've been using. <laughs> right. So now, uh, so how does – is it sounds like you guys are – Jarvis, you're going to be moving to her town. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you explain this to your kids? How did that, I mean, how did that come about? Yeah. Um, well, you know, again, he's been, uh, visiting and hanging out with my family for a year and a half now. And, you know, once he, um, came out to his wife, which was sort of immediately, uh, I mean, he didn't really meet my kids until after that happened. Um, uh, he was just, you know, a friend of the family. I mean, my kids are young, so they don't know anything about sex yet at right. all. Um, and it wouldn't really be appropriate to talk to them about that yet. But at a certain point, my husband and I sat down with the kids and said, sat down with my older child and said, you know, some people believe that you can only love one other person at a time and some people don't. And, you know, she said, as many kids of poly people say, like, well, that's crazy to think you can only love one person at a time because I love you and mommy, you know, <laughs> at the same time, right. like, or I love, right. and we're like, right, exactly. Um, you know, and, and, and we like, and we love some people as friends and we love some people like family and we love some people, you know, sort of in between and we love people in different ways. And, and we believe that it's okay to love, you know, more than one person at a time. And, and so then being young is sort of the big benefit there, right? right? There's like, yeah, right. And it actually really is because I feel like they adore Jarvis and they, both my kids say now, you know, we have three parents, like really cheerfully and they'll kind of like look around and they'll say like, we have one mother and two fathers. And and we all say, yeah, isn't that awesome? And they're like, yeah, it's great. I mean, to their minds, it's just, you know, it's another loving adult in their lives who's, um, you know, hanging out with them and paying good attention to them and taking care of them. And they think that's fantastic. And they just think he's the greatest. So, um, they're, they're, you know, I feel like hopefully we will, um, inoculate them. Yeah. I mean, kind of grandfather him in before they're aware that other people might think this is weird, that it will yeah. be so um, normal to them that they won't. It's, and it's helpful that the, the community that we, we live in or that I'm about to live in and they live in is a pretty progressive place. And there's lots of, you know, Plenty queer people and transgender people that they know. And, you know, it's not going to be that bizarre 
I mean, frankly, with the rate of divorce and remarriage now, like a lot of kids have three parents or four yeah. parents or six parents or just, one parent. We just recently struck on the, the nice way to, to characterize it that they get to have a step parent without divorce. <laughs> yeah. Right. How I explained it to my mother. <laughs> and, and you have one more excuse as if you needed another to get the entire, uh, every season of my two dads. <laughs> Paul Reiser's first big. Uh-huh. Uh, and Greg Evigan's last big. Yes, big. Greg Evigan. Yes, that's right. Poor guy. Poor guy. Um, yeah, and, and her husband likes to say that he's always believed that the adults should outnumber the children. So as long yeah. as we keep that ratio intact. He's a, he's a well. big believer in, in that parenting yeah. manifesto. Yeah. Uh, right. So it, it sounds like – so uh, and, and now it sounds like you've gone to some kink events too? Yeah, we've been to um, some swing events, like some sw- private on on premise swing parties, and then we've been to um, uh, Geeky Kink New England and to Dark Odyssey's summer camp, and we'll be going to Winter Fire yeah. in February. So, how does this? Uh, is this was this uh, to start go exploring outside of, you know, to actually go to a kink event type of thing? Um, how did that come up in conversation? Is like, oh, hey, there's this crazy thing that happened you know um with one another or with like telling my husband about it or well no i mean no yeah with one another oh, i mean yeah. d- d- well i mean so another thing that we, we we have a we have a variety of of kinks i would say one of them is definitely exhibitionism so oh jarvis you participated in a blog that was going around in the like 10 10 years ago five, yeah almost that. um where people kind of you know post uh half naked pictures of themselves and um, so he's always had that part of himself. Yeah. yeah, and I have too. Um, I like I really wanted to be in Playboy when I was eighteen, nineteen years old, and I, I I now really regret that I didn't go for that because I yeah now I'm in my forties. Um, and also Playboy isn't what Playboy was at the time, but um, sure. I I would have really you know if Suicide Girls had been around when I was a teenager, I probably would have done it. Um, so. Yeah, so we knew that we wanted to have sex in front of other people. That was not a surprise to either of us. Oh, actually, when we were together in the 90s, we had public sex. Yeah. (laughs) So we knew that that was something we wanted to keep exploring, and we were both certainly open to the idea of, um, you know, group stuff, sort of swingy type stuff. I mean, we're not swingers, but... um, No, I think we fall into the progressive swinger category. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're gonna have to. I it's it's yep. a, yeah it's a term I heard on a podcast recently, and I think yeah. it's, it's it was where invo- you... it was invented by the um the life on the swing set folks. Um, they invented that term progressive. And I swinging. think it's basically where you you have sex with other people that you would also like to be friends with and like have dinner with. Yeah. So it's got to be people that you actually like and not just that you want to fuck. It's basically like the in, the in, the place on the spectrum in between poly and swinging because a lot of poly people say oh, it's all about the relationships and you know I'm not going to have sex with any, anybody I'm not in a relationship with. I just have multiple relationships. And swingers are like I'm going to have sex with a lot of people but I'm not going to have relationships with them. You know, I'm only going to have sex with them. And so there's there is a place in between that a lot of people are doing now, I would say, like, especially sort of in the kink community, you know, at, at Dark Odyssey events and places like that, where you're like, I really want to hang out with you and get to know you and like you, and then I also want to fuck you, and then I, like, keep wanting to like you, and, like, we'll be in touch, but we're not going to fall in love and be in a relation, you know, we're going to be friends. I um, want to keep wanting to like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After we have sex. But don't fuck this up. Right. Because if you, I mean, <laughs> if you mentioned Ron Paul once. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, you know, the bushes would be more a problem, but. No, yeah. I know. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, but I just imagine. So now there's gonna, someone's going to have to come up with something that is in between swinging and progressive swinging. And they're going to say, and it's, there's going to be like, uh, 
it's going to it's going to be like, you know, there're going to be shades uh, yeah. of things that people are going to come. And I think there are shades and they're they're just I mean, unfortunately there are these terms and people use terms because what else do we do? But like Well, no, but that's good. I'm, I mean, I'm not making fun of the term. No, no, no. I'm I'm just know. saying like you go to an event like dark like a dark odyssey event. I mean, the thing is for us like at the at the heart, you know, we do have all these kind of things that get called kinky, but at the heart of it like we're into sex. And, you know, that's not true for everybody in BDSM. And, you know, definitely we go to events and there are a lot of people who do a lots of kinds of play with each other that never involve actual, you know, intercourse um, sure. or genital contact of any kind. And and that's not really our, our thing. And so there and we meet people sort of, you know, on every mm-hmm. every place on that spectrum um, when we go to events from people who are like, absolutely, I will not have any kind of sexual contact with somebody, you know, I meet at an event, um, to people who are like at the events just to like fuck as many people as possible. So, so if you guys went to, let's say a play party and it was just like a, a caning or spanking or something like that, but there was no sex, you'd be like, what the fuck? Or, well, I mean, would- I think we might've been, but we, we did, you know, we'd done quite a bit of research and, and once we got on FetLife, we we really sort of immersed ourselves in, in becoming acquainted with everything. And the truth so is- we wouldn't we wouldn't be surprised by that, and we might not choose to go to a party like that, knowing that sure. that were the case. Although we have talked about, we've never really been to like a dungeon event, and well, we've been to dungeons at right, but we haven't been to yeah. like you know a, just a, a dungeon. Yeah, and and we're sort of curious to see that play out, and. We're not, you know, apparatus people. We're not really into props or anything. <laughs> oh, that's a hilarious. I'm not making fun of you. No. I'm not making fun of you, but that's a great, I mean, that's yeah. a great way to, we're not apparatus we're people. We're not apparatus people. You know that's what? true. And because people ask you, they're like, oh, I mean, my, like, I definitely, I went to a munch where some, you know, I met somebody and they're like, my violet wand is in the car. And I was like, good for you. You know, like, I don't care. Like for me, like for us, it's definitely about the psychology stuff. So, I mean, the truth is like, we're not, we're not totally comfortable just at like full on swing events either. Like we don't just want to fuck either. Like we do want the, we want some power exchange. We want some DS stuff going on there, but we are, we're not really seeing people. So, you know, we, we can't just like, yeah, tie me up to whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and, and when we recently played with another couple that we'd met and, and enjoyed and liked, it was sort of a little nerve wracking for me to sort of try to figure out ahead of time. Well, how rough can I be with her when we fuck? Because I'm so used to having sort of free reign to get as rough as I want to with aura and pull her hair and smack her face and whatever comes naturally. (laughs) And, you know, realizing that the idea of just sort of fucking without that is less satisfying to me now. And I, and I, you know, want to know where that line is. So if you go to just a swing event, well, and like I call him daddy. I mean, I call him daddy yeah. all the time, but like especially during sex. And so we've also talked about that could really be disturbing to people that we like just have sex in front of or having sex with and people who aren't into kink at all. And all of a sudden I'm like, daddy, daddy. And they'd be like, oh, let's leave, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So it, it, it's, it's best. So did you, did you give him a heads up first? And you're like, okay, look, I'm going to be saying this for, yeah. I mean, how did you? I mean, it's best. For us to play with other people who are in the BDSM scene, but like having sex as one of their, with other people as one of their kinks, but like who are well acquainted with the full array of, and also because like, frankly, the BD, I think most swingers would agree, like the BDSM world is like more on top of their shit in terms of negotiation and consent than the swing world. And, um in the swingers world so that's uh <laughs> take that swingers world when it comes to shit being on top of <laughs> i mean i think that that's what i mean again we don't really know but it seems like the the kind of rule in swinger world is you know like keep doing it until somebody says no rather than you know like go through all of somebody's hard limits or whatever beforehand um <laughs> So for us, you know, I think for many reasons, it works better to like meet people that we happen to really click with and find attractive at BDSM events who are into fucking, <laughs> you know, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, because yeah, now there are a lot of, uh, kink events as you, as you know, where if you started having sex and there, people are like, what the hell is going, what, is, what right. are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, we've gone to. You know, we've been to some 
uh, events where, where they've asked uh, Saad to sort of uh, because they were like swinger events, but they but they were trying to do like an intro to kink thing, mm. and so they would ask Saad to show up just to show up, you know, here literally show the ropes, you know, like mm-hmm. here here's how you tie someone up, here's how you do this, and um, uh, she was doing wax play on a girl who was there, and there was a guy. I think, was it wax? No, it was fire play. And uh, one of the guys who was there was, was like, oh, I, he got, went and got a bucket of water. And he was standing like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Shit's going to go down, man. You know, he's like freaking the fuck out. Right? It's not like, and it was not like Sod had just was like, was like, oh, look, here's something flammable. I'm going to put it on. No, she knew what she was doing, right? Right. But right. this guy was like, all right, I'm going to dial 9-1 and then I'm just going to hold my finger over the one if I right. have to. No, I feel like the BDSM world is like pretty ready for anything. Although you're right that like we did have this experience of going to a kink event where there was no genital contact allowed without barriers in the dungeon. Well, right. Well, and it was only during there. The, oh, right. Yeah. It was only for like three hours on Saturday night that there was <laughs> oral sex allowed. And this was sort of our starter event. This was the geeky kink event in new England, which was a great event. Yeah. And we were excited to go because it was, it was local to me and being sort of a sci-fi fantasy geek. I thought it would be a lot of fun. And we hadn't been to an event, so we thought, well, let's sort of dip our toe in the water first. And um, and it was it was very interesting because you know we pretty immediately felt like, oh, well, we want there to be more going on. Yeah, and it, was, it was. You know, there was scenes in the dungeon. People were were using the the crosses and the the suspension rigs and rope and flogging and everything, which was great to watch. But then there was like a very short window on Saturday night where you could get a blowjob. <laughs> right, right. And it felt very sort of uh, like the sex part was very tangential to the entire experience. And also like nudity. Like they were pretty strict about where, like what what nudity was okay and where that was okay. And To the I point mean, that I had to cover my nipples <laughs> when I was wearing a kilt and suspenders. <laughs> it was pretty funny. The guys had to cover their nipples. Yeah. Um, That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, then, so we realized at that event that we wanted to, we were interested mostly in going to BDSM or kink events, but ones where there was going to be sex allowed. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it sounds like you guys are doing pretty well then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Almost one person was almost going to answer differently. Like, <laughs> no, we were like looking at each other to yeah. say who was going to say yeah first. <laughs> so now – and. Uh, is there is there any sort of um, not I don't want to say pressure I don't know what the right word is so like Jarvis are you like are you entertaining the idea of of another person so that you know so, so or I mean I don't know how 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 that even works because yeah. I'm sure there are times when she's she's off with her husband which is not a bad I mean mm-hmm. but she's clearly not doing anything wrong I'm saying no. right. she's off with her husband <laughs> you know yeah, the nerve really... she's off with her husband but uh, and then you know you. Might want to hang out with someone as well. I mean, how does that how does that work? Yeah, it's something we talked about initially when we when we first started uh, discussing the possibility of you know a, a more primary relationship. We thought maybe I would need another partner because I do like to have a, a very you know close primary partner relationship. And we thought if there's half of the week, even when we're apart, I'm going to be wanting more. And sort of the way that it's worked out is that we've discovered she and I, like, we love to sleep together and her husband would be happy to sleep in an empty bed <laughs> most of his life now. He has no need to, like, sleep with somebody else. Right. And um, and and sort of the way it's worked out is that, you know, we're we, – she and I are really primary partners, not to the exclusion of her husband, but we're – you know, we have all the sex we want to have. Um, the arrangements we've made with the family are going to give us enough time. And what I've learned sort of over the last six months of living on my own after uh, my separation is that I do like to have a little bit of time to myself. And at yeah. this point, I can't imagine having another uh, even secondary partner. Like we're we're starting now to play with other couples. Um, and that feels right for us where it's definitely a mutual experience. So it's not one of us goes off and plays with somebody else. Um, she has a girlfriend that she's going to see uh, in the near future, and I'm 
thrilled with that, but I wouldn't feel <laughs> as comfortable if there was another male partner involved. It's just sort right. of a, you know, a gender thing. Um, and, you know, I've recently started playing with men as well, which was something I was always curious about. And, you know, that's been with her there to observe and enjoy and <laughs> be a part of it. And we've been lucky to find somebody who really was thrilled to give us that experience. And <laughs> that may be something I explore more in the future too. And, but I, I don't, I don't think right now, I, I can't imagine us, you know, we, we want to be primary partners. We're, you know, we have great sex, we have great kink, but we're also really in love and we want to sort of enjoy our relationship right now. Sure. Well, this has been this has been really uh, fascinating to listen to. Uh, and uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you guys, yeah, by that I mean contact. Get out, contact <laughs> you guys. Um, you're on FetLife. We are on FetLife. We uh, I'm Jarvis Daddy, and she is Aura Bunny. And uh, if you are comfortable, I can put links on the the website as well. And and uh, uh, thank you so much for doing this. It's been a, a lot of fun and. Uh, Thanks for spending your early Saturday afternoon uh, revealing probably way too much about yourself. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you Piece so of cake, much. guys. Thank you so much for doing this. There you have it. See? This is what happens. People just volunteer to be on the show. They sound awesome. Uh, you can find them both on FetLife uh, as Aura Bunny. And Jarvis Daddy, never. I, I feel uncomfortable saying the word Daddy. I just don't like it. it just yeah, makes me feel gross. But uh, you can call him Daddy. That's fine. I'm not gonna. Uh, and, uh, and you can find their website loveyouhard.wordpress.com. You can find all that on the website massacast.com. We'll see you later. Bye bye.